Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You're listening to the Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Shalon. FM 104. It's Room 104, it's Cormac here. And we've talked about, you know, times that you've been kind of scammed before and different issues you might have faced uh, over the years. But some are obviously more extreme than others because a gentleman reached out to us with his story. It was so, it's so crazy, it's so insane, it's so hard to believe. You wouldn't nearly... You wouldn't believe this is this was the script for a movie. Reached out and got in touch with me. Decided we had to uh, get him on and talk to him this evening. He's written a book about it, um, his ordeal called "I Am Somebody," which you can get from all major um, bookshops, which probably be uh, online at the moment anyway. But just he went from being an entrepreneur to losing absolutely everything to you know rebuilding himself after it. And you know what? We're all in the middle of hell at the moment, and any story that can point us in the direction of getting out of it will be welcomed here on FM One Hundred and Four. But uh, Liam Ledbetter, how are you? I'm very good, Comrade. Thank you for having me. Uh, no worries at all. When uh, I, I read this and read your book and re- read part of you know your story, which I know only a one-page thing can only really summarize parts of your story, right. I was yeah. like, "This doesn't look real," but it, mm-hmm. it, it 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 is. And can you maybe take us through what exactly happened to you that led to it culminating, obviously, in in the book that you decided to to pen? Well, I'll just put you into the into the picture, so to speak, uh, Cormac, yeah. so that the listeners can understand where we're coming mm. from. Um, in 1974, I met my partner, Tony Kilgan, and in 1975, on the 5th of December 1975, we opened Ireland's first gay commercial nightclub at 37 North Great Georgia Street. We went on from there to other enterprises, including the Incognito Club and the Horse and Carriage Guest House, which Daniel LaRue opened for us on the 23rd of September 1993. Daniel LaRue and I then went on to represent the Horse and Carriage in 1996 uh, in the St. Patrick's Day Parade, after which yep. Jack Charlton uh, threw a party for us. However, oh, to bring the story up to date, um, in 1999, after 25 years, my partner now, my late partner, um, and I separated. And so therefore I went, I had been to South Africa on about 15 or 16 occasions. And Mm. I went to, and my family, part part of my family live out there. So um, I knew the area. I knew what I was doing. Well, I thought I knew what I was doing. And so I decided to go and live in South Africa in 2001. And when I went out there, I was, I had been introduced over previous years to a very, very influential family who had links to government ministers and the head of police 
And I, this is, I'm not telling tales out of school because this man's name was Jackie Selby, the chief of police, who was complicit in my downfall because eight years later, a fellow Irishman from Cork, Paul O'Sullivan, brought him down for corruption. Anyway, I was scammed out of uh, one, one million rands, which was 100,000 uh, pounds in those days, in our money. And um, in order to cover their tracks, this influential group of individuals, one of whom was a quadriplegic, and my brother-in-law, who's a doctor, had saved his life, and everything towards me was, oh, it's for your brother-in-law, oh, it's for the doctor, so forth and so on. But anyway, little did I know that I was being scammed little by little. I was opening, um, well, I intended, well, I had moved in, rather, to a place called Casablanca um, in Cape Town, um, a bar and bed and breakfast overlooking Robben Island, where Nelson Mandela spent 18, mm. almost 27 years. And uh, they said, you know, look, we can sort out everything for you. And in order to expedite a mortgage, it would be very good for you to have citizenship or dual citizenship. Well, the citizenship was out of the question. I said, no, I'm not taking up any citizenship. If, if it's going to enhance my um, performance with banks, I will go for dual citizenship. However, to cut the story short, they then got me uh, married. Uh, on a false marriage certificate, right, to a black widow in a black township called Lamontville, um, just outside Durban there in South Africa. And this was in order to cover their tracks so that they knew that they were walking me into hell. And what happened there was the police, of course, came after me. And, of course, I lost everything in relation to money and so forth and so on. I had been in contact with the Irish Embassy out there at that particular time, you know, to inquire yeah. about the idea of this dual citizenship. To be quite honest with you, Cormac, it didn't go down very well with me. You know, I didn't want to give up my citizenship. I, I, here I was. Yeah. I was in despair after, you know, losing my relationship and so forth and so on. But I didn't realize that they were so influential that you know, so closely tied to the Minister for Home Affairs at the time was Mangasutu Patelezi. And then, of course, this guy, the head of police, Jackie Selby, whom, whom I just said, uh, the guy yeah. from Cork and, and brought can I, down. And Liam, can I jump in there as well, just to, yeah, sure. again, to, just so we get the steps of this uh, clear as well, mm -hmm. right? So you're obviously off the back of a relationship that fell through, and obviously, you know, any time there's a significant life event like that, I think we're all a little bit more... I don't want to vulnerable. even say vulnerable, yeah. but yeah, 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 yeah. So you've you've moved over to South Africa and through contacts that you met through, was it just in-laws or previous people? There was these no, my, people my now. family, my family lived Sorry, there. Now, yeah. remember, remember, Cormac, I'd been out to South Africa on about 15 or 16 occasions. Yeah, so it's not as if you're a tourist going over there no, and you don't no, know the no, lay no, of the no, land. Yeah. You know, I wasn't kind of, um, you know, South Africa was kind of my second home, if you like. Yeah, yeah. And then it was through it was through them that people were one trying to convince you to hand over money for. Well, I didn't actually. The... I didn't hand over any money whatsoever, uh, Cormac. They scammed me. They um, they were so influential that they had family members and travel agents and banks and so forth and so on. And how it really happened was at the Christmas of two thousand and one, I was preparing to bring my my late mother and her late friend. And Maureen Beggs um, over on St. Patrick's Day to yeah. South Africa in 2002. And they said, oh, sure, yeah, blah, blah, you know, such and such a person will organize that. So anyway, I went into the travel or into the bank to transfer the money. 
to this particular family. Plus, I was getting a Condor because we were travelling from Durban on, say, St. Stephen's Day down to Cape Town, right? And um, the money was transferred, but I didn't realise it until the 16th of January 2002 that had been scammed out of so much money. And when I flew back to Durban in order to question them about this, they said, oh, you know, you must come up to the apartment and we talk about it. They live 28 floors above this particular uh, apartment overlooking Durban Beach. I went in. Uh, they said, everything will be, you'll get your money back tomorrow. We're very sorry about this. I left. It was a lovely summer's evening there in January, as you know, in the Southern Hemisphere. Uh, yeah. I was walking back to my hotel in the Holiday Inn and five youths came and beat the living daylights out of me. I don't know how I got back to my floor on, in the Holiday Inn, the 16th floor. I called them to tell them and I called my family, of course, to, to say what has happened. And within... You know, half an hour, uh, Mansoor himself was a quadriplegic. Uh, and my brother-in-law had saved his life. He was able to manage to get from the 28th floor down across the way and up onto 16 floors of the Holiday Inn with police ordering drinks for everybody, you know, on my account. And it was then I was convinced that everything was going to be all right. I flew back to Cape Town the next day. And then, as I realized through uh, my lawyers, that this had been a tremendous scam and I better get, you know, back to Durban, which I did. And when I got back there, I realized, my goodness gracious me, here I am at the loss of over £100,000 our money in those days, as I said, plus this marriage certificate to a black widow in a black township in Lamontville. If I needed anything like that, um, Cormac, right, all I you know, to get citizenship, all my family, my, not all my family, but my South African family were there. They could have vouched for me. What did I need a, a, a widow yeah. in a black township for? You know, but anyway, to bring the story then forward, um, I was charged with falsifying a marriage certificate. And um, I was sentenced to three years plus one in a prison in the world's worst prison, Westville Prison. It was the pits of hell, you know, where there were lice-ridden, flea-infested, urinated mattresses with rats scurrying here and there. Um, I was so, I, I had an accident in 1974, my, myself, my aunt, my uncle were involved in a car crash in, in, uh, on the Nace Road in Dublin, and ever since 1974 I had suffered with back injury. Mm. And to be going through all of this was just like hell. Not even could I ask for a tablet like a paracetamol or anything like that. No, well, no, no, did, no, you get, no. did you get sent to prison there? Yes, I was sent to prison. I served 77 days, as I said, in a rat hole, in, you know, an absolute pits of the earth this place was in Westfield Prison. Anyway, I had uh, engaged a lawyer, a barrister called Jimmy House, and it went for appeal in, the, um, in July of 2002. I had served 77 days, and the judge who had sentenced me was also in the pocket of this family. So uh-huh. when this went to court uh, in July, on the 9th of July, 2002, the three white judges threw it out, right, and said that I had been the victim of the machinations of the Mansour family. Threw it out, and um, then shortly after that, well, within minutes, I would imagine, uh, I had been on the phone to my sister from the prison, 
and she couldn't speak because she was so elated. And then my advocate, Jimmy House, came on and he said to me, um, you know, on behalf of the right-thinking people of South Africa, we want to apologize to you. I got out of there um, on the 9th, and I left on the 12th, the right, or the 13th, I'm not sure. Um, got in on the Saturday night, anyway, back into Dublin. And that was, you know, it was talk about the prince and the pauper. That's the way my life went. That is insane. Mm. I mean, how tough were those 77 days? You have no idea, Cormac. We have people in this country today, including myself, who we moan about this and we moan about yeah. that. And currently, we and you know, quite rightly so, we're, we're all very depressed over the lockdown and so forth and so on. But when I go back to those 77 days of a nightmare, you know, I thank God that at least we have a lockdown. We are healthy. If we want to go out, we can go for a walk. Okay, so we can't go, you know, visit another county or we can't fly to London and we can't do this, we can't do that. But so what? It will come back to us. It will become a reality again. And as far as anything else is concerned, my mental health was so challenged in those days. You know, it was absolutely unbelievable the way my, my mental health was challenged. And if it wasn't for my, my friend of nearly 50 years, Alex Carroll, who's a clinical psychologist whom I used to bounce off when I came back, yeah. Um, I don't know where I would have been, but, um, you know, I wouldn't recommend that now to anyone listening in. I mean, if you're depressed, you go and see a psychologist or a counsellor or something else, you know, or try and get out of it yourself. Yeah, yeah. So what was yeah. life like uh, afterwards? Because obviously that had a, a huge impact on um, on you going forward. It, it, a huge uh, impact. Um, I lived a very good life here in Ireland, and my mother, who was very central to my life, and central to my partner's life, um, often counselled gay people when we first opened the club in the 70s and the 80s, you know, and she went out to Cabra one time, we drove her out there to um, speak to the parents of a customer of ours who was scared, you know, very much mm. of his father, who didn't want, he didn't want his son to be gay and so forth and so on. And she went out and she counselled them. And before I knew where I was, uh, Cormac, she had the parents into our club that Saturday night, enjoying themselves and saying, oh, my God, <laughs> this is a different world altogether. Yeah. You know, we're so happy, you know, that he has met yeah. people. You know, we thought he was going to be thrown onto the keys or thrown into the Litzy and all of this type of thing, you know. But th that's my mother was, as I said, very, very central to my life as my uh, grandmother and my family. And, you know, I could always go to my family or go to uh, my gay friends. I had no problem with that. But uh, the people that uh, were customers of ours in those days, you know, they were, they were isolated. And, you know, it's, I often look back on it, uh, Cormac, and say, God help them. Although I heard recently of somebody who um, wrote into a show after 44 years met uh, somebody and they're still together today. So, I, you know, something positive came out of it. But in those days, like, we had to have, you know, as the entrepreneurs of the day, we had to have fire in our bellies and we have to have, yeah. had, you know, we had to, there was no room for negativity. And, well, I know, imagine all the negativity came from outside forces, because I imagine if you opened up the first gay bar in Dublin, there was a, probably a little bit of pushback from people. 
Um, not so much from our point of view. Um, when we opened it first, um, we thought we were going to be, you know, uh, the state is going to come down heavily on us. But mm. no, it didn't. We inter- intermingled show business with the gay community. And um, we had a friend in Terry O'Sullivan, the late Terry O'Sullivan of the Evening Press, who, uh, as I said, uh, well, I didn't say it to you, but I did say it to somebody else, you know, that I'm not telling tales out of school. Terry loved his drink and his mistress, you know, and that was widely publicized. And uh, he used to come into the club, take the photograph and nod photograph here and there, have a few drinks, go off about the town. He had a, a famous uh, column in the evening press called Dubliner's Diary. So we were, you know, he used to come in and he gave us publicity like that. And yeah. then 20 years later, his daughter, Nila O'Foylon, covered the uh, opening of the horse and carriage, the late Nila O'Foylon. So, so, like, from all of that point of view, it was positive. There were negatives and positives throughout the whole uh, career, if you like uh, Cormac. But the culmination of it was my, my um, departure to South Africa and coming back. And when I came back, my mother, as, as I said to you earlier, she was a very glamorous woman. She loved going around. She traveled the world. She came with Tony and I. And uh, But when this business in South Africa transpired, uh, she became very ill, and I became her carer up until the day she died. You know, so my life had taken a, a different twist, if you like. Well, no, it's not. I mean, the, the fact that you're just calling it a, you know, a twist is a kind of testament to your mindset, because it seems like you've been uh, bruised and battered and punched and kicked while you were exactly. down and still managed yeah. to kind of uh, to, yeah. to, to keep going, because, you know, it's it just your resolve is insanely impressive. And what are you doing with yourself these days? Well, I, as you know, I have just have, had this book out. Uh, I am somebody. It's keeping me busy. Um, so many people um, have said, oh, you know, it should be a movie and so forth and so on. I'm working with uh, my editor in uh, Cornwall, Linda Harris, um, in relation to pitching it as a movie. Yeah, I'm be a great also movie. Working, yeah, I'm also working. And by the way, Cormac, I'm glad you said that I, because Brian Merriman of Dublin Games National Theatre Festival um, said to me the other day, you know, you've said such and such a person said that this is to be a movie, right? And you never mentioned me. I said, I'm sick and tired of mentioning you. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> so he's gotten a mention here tonight. Oh, there we go, Tick. <laughs> but anyway, I'm working on another book which will be published um, next October called When the Little Flower Touched a Rose. So from that point of view, I'm kept busy. And I will be 70 next year, and I hope that uh, my book will be published Towards that, well, you, know, you, you, you sound at least 20 or 30 years younger than that anyway. You know what? You can have a large glass of brandy tonight on me. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, they're one of the most energetic people I've ever uh, I had the pleasure of interviewing uh, on the show. Thank so, you very uh, much, Cormac. <laughs> well, um, listen, it, the story obviously goes into much more detail and depth in yes, the book, so I am yeah. somebody. So if you're listening and you would like to uh, you know, explore that, it, it's... It's fascinating. It's it's tragic. You can get it's it on Amazon insane. or on major uh, uh, book outlets. You know. Perfect. So listen, the name of the book is I Am Somebody by Liam yep. Ledwich. I highly recommend that you go out and either download a copy of it and explore that a little bit more. But listen, Liam, it's been an absolute uh, honour and a privilege speaking to you. And I suppose one last message for all us uh, moan holes here in Dublin who are giving out about the lockdown. Yeah. Well, be positive. Be strong. We're going to get over it. We'll come through it. Look forward to next summer. Brilliant. Liam Ledwich, it's yes. been a pleasure. Thanks a million for Thank popping you, on. Cormac. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Pleasure. 
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.